0: With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's
1: today. Ah, yes, indeed. Very good evening to you. Welcome to the Macca's run. Try the quarter pound of bacon at Macca's today. This is all about your say on the news of the day. You can have that on one 736 736 The Harcourts open line is always exactly that open. You'll move your Harcourts for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourts. You can text in 0433 98 11 16 off the temper text. Temper a mattress like no other. I hope you had as good a day as you possibly can however you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in, it's great to have your company on the Macca's run, however you're finding us wherever you're finding us on the SEN network. Looking forward to having a chat to you today. A couple of little bits and pieces that have been making news throughout the course of the afternoon uh, the All-Australian squad, 44 players this year so to me that says we might be going down or are we going down the NBA the NBL track where we'll have a All-Australian first team an All-Australian second team 44 players, though, named, uh, six players from Melbourne. Uh, The Cats have got five, and we'll work your way through all of the players that are nominated in just a moment. But the other big news story today uh, from an off-field point of view is that um, the Giants... Have officially named their new coach, Adam Kingsley, Premiership player with Port Adelaide, a former Port Adelaide best and fairest player, long-time assistant in St Kilda before going to Richmond, where he was an assistant coach for the uh, 2019 and 20 uh, for the 2019 and the 2020 flags. Uh, so, congratulations to Adam Kingsley, uh, beat out the uh, the short price favourite, Adam Uze. Uh, but a, a person who is incredibly highly regarded in football circles and has been in contention for several senior positions uh, over recent times. Uh, so if you're a Giants fan and wanted to have a chat about that, one 736 736 Uh And the All-Australian squad, if you weren't aware of the players, I'll quickly rifle through them for you. Uh, Tom Barras, West Coast, Mark Blixars from the Cats, Shay Bolton, uh, Marcus Bontempelli, Andrew Brayshaw, Angus Brayshaw could be the first set of brothers to be in the All-Australian side uh, since I think it was the Corns brothers uh, according to the press release anyway from uh, the uh, the AFL um, that they would be um, the third set of brothers to be selected in the same team in a single year following the Maddens in 87 and the Corns in 07 uh, Going down the list, Charlie Cameron, Jeremy Cameron Paddy Cripps, Jack Crisp, Brennan Cox from the Dockers, Charlie Curnow, Josh Dacos from Collingwood. No Nick Dacos, but Josh Dacos has been named. Uh, Bailey Fritch, uh, Max Gorn, Tom Hawkins, Isaac Heaney, Josh Kelly, Rory Laird, Tom Lynch, Jack McRae, Stephen May, Huma Cluggage, Braden Maynard. Wrap the sea, Braden Maynard, get in. Uh, I think he uh, is well-deserving uh, to be in that squad. Took Miller, Callum Mills, Lachie Neal, Clayton Oliver, Tom Papley, Christian Petrarca, Daniel Rioli, um, wrapped to see him into after his year. Connor Rosey, Adam Sard, James Sicily, Jack Sinclair, Tyson Stengel, Tom Stewart, Sam Taylor, Taylor Walker, Sam Wells, Chad Warner, Jacob Weetering, Callum Wilkie, Jared Witts. That is the 44 man squad for the All-Australian team uh, that the All-Australian team will be picked from on Wednesday night. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 to have you say uh, on the All-Australian squad or 0433-98-1116 on the temper text. So Monday night, after what was the most extraordinary final round of footy, to not know the final eight until the final siren of the final game of the final round, that is a perfect way to end a brilliant home and away season. This season has been that uh, and a whole lot more. Footy is in a very, very good place. And we have had a fantastic year. It has been as entertaining as football has been in recent memory. Close games come from behind games, big stories, big moments, big hauls of goals, big marks. It's just had moment after moment, uh, and we've been the beneficiaries of it for the... For the penultimate game to go from Fizzer to Phenomenal in a half a footy was extraordinary, and the Dogs did what they needed to do. Sydney almost got themselves up into second spot, only to be denied by St Kilda and percentage. They got the win, Sydney, but they just didn't get the big enough win to jump into second spot, so they finished third. Frio got themselves up into the four, but only momentarily until Collingwood ripped it away from them. And Friday night, did Melbourne re-emerge or did Brisbane implode? Or is it a bit of column A and a little bit of column B? And Brisbane are the only team going into the finals off the back of a loss. So we couldn't have asked for a better stage to be set for finals. Sunday showed that we don't need all games to start at the same time for it to be an exciting way to finish. With the game staggered, teams with seasons on the line doing what they needed to do, and then the live ladder was there for all of us to be able to follow along to see what the numbers were telling us and the calculations were saying. Two weeks can't go quick enough, but in the meantime, we've got award season starting and we give clear air to the start of the most significant AFLW season since the inaugural season with all 18 teams finally in the competition. So the big questions to come out of the round and the big stories to come out of the final round of the 2022 season, were Melbourne that good or were Brisbane that bad? That's The question that needs to be answered from Thursday night's 58-point win for the D's to lock in that top-four spot. They defended brilliantly the D's, They scored seven goals from turnovers in the first half alone. They conceded eight more inside 50s than they created, yet still had a 58-point win. How does that work? They lost centre clearance by seven, yet still scored more goals from centre clearance. They've had major connectivity issues in recent weeks. They'd fallen to 17th. In goals from inside 50 percentage But they went 52% inside 50 efficiency Their back six were dominant They repelled at will and with ease The Lions only laid six tackles inside forward 50 That's a stat that they excel in They were smashed in contested ball again against the D's But were the D's that good? And are they back to being an attacking threat? Or were Brisbane that bad? And is their defence just completely broken? They're ranked 10th in defence for, for points against Last year they were ranked 5th You can't win a premiership with a 10th-ranked defence. I'm a massive Brisbane Lions um, supporter. I mean, I'm a Hawthorne supporter, but I'm a massive fan of the Brisbane Lions, the list they've got, the way they play. They're the most most dominant scoring team in the competition when things are going their way. But you just cannot win a premiership with the 10th-ranked defence. And they couldn't kick a winning score against Melbourne again. That's despite having 28 forward-half turnovers. They still couldn't kick a winning score against that Demon defence. Richmond are going to be licking their lips for next week at the Gabba. The Lions at the Gabba will hold no fear for them. They've had the wood over them in recent years. Yes, Brisbane have got a finals win against Richmond but very little else to brag about in that rivalry in recent times. And that come-from-behind victory a few weeks ago will be fresh in the Lions' memories. And they announced today that they will contest, and they have to contest Cam Rainer's dangerous tackle suspension uh, tomorrow night. He is an important piece uh, to their puzzle, and if they are to solve it, they need him in place. Um, Collingwood and Carlton, in front of 88,000, such an event. It was such an event in and of itself... After half time That it would have made the Kiss concert the night before Look like a pub cover band Maybe a battle of the bands Try as you might There isn't a statistical explanation For what Collingwood are doing And how they're doing it I know Kingy tried And he's got a few He did have one And I think it's worthy
2: The last six weeks They're the number one team in the competition without the footy their defensive 50 stands up. Okay, they got they got humbled in the third quarter yesterday. But across the course of the last six weeks, best in the competition without the footy. So they, they, they keep their gloves up. They don't wear any punches. They don't. You can throw as many inside 50s at them as you like. You can win as much contested footy as you like. Those numbers mean nothing if you can't get through their defensive grid and their defensive 50. So they, they, they don't wear any punches. You might hit their gloves... You might try and whack them. You might try and score, but you can't get through. And then every now and then, they don't jab. They throw a haymaker.
1: And when they land, it's through the corridor and they score. So that was Kingy trying as best as you can to put a statistical explanation on something that Collingwood are doing now and how they're doing it. That I just don't know if you can Sometimes in sport that happens Instead of trying to explain it I reckon we just need to enjoy it Because it is a phenomenon The likes of which I don't think I've ever seen Have you ever seen a side Do what Collingwood have been doing this year Won 12 out of their last 13 11 wins have been by 12 points or under And a few more have just been over that It's the 8th time I saw Corbin Middlam put out Since round 13 That they've overturned A 3 or more goal deficit They've had more comebacks Than John Farnham this year They just refuse to go down. They refuse to go quietly into the night. And when they're down, they decide that they don't concede. They just take risk after risk. But it's calculated risk. It's trained risk. They play to win. Sides around them who hold leads, try to defend leads, hold on to a lead. They try not to lose a game, which is a mistake against Collingwood. If you get a lead against Collingwood, you just have to keep playing in a way to extend it. Don't try to salvage it and save it. That would be my advice to any team going into finals and playing Collingwood this year. Every team that's tried to just maintain their lead, hold on to their lead, slow play their lead, has been overrun by Collingwood. They revel in it. They are the best show in footy right now. How a team can can concede eight goals to one in a quarter, then turn it around and kick five goals to nothing, but in the process, and they do this every time because you look at the other teams and go, but they had their chances, they had their chances, they had their chances, but they haven't taken... Their chances. Collingwood caused sides to go completely to water in trying to hold on to that lead now. And it's becoming the stuff of myth and the stuff of legend. To go they caused teams to go completely away from playing in the manner that they had been playing in order to get, in Carlton's case, a twenty-five point lead. They caused them to panic so much that they couldn't actually execute a single correct decision to ice the game to hold on to the lead, and maybe even to extend it. They couldn't land a single goal in six extra scoring shots. They had four extra scoring shots for the game. 21 more. 21. 21 more inside. I hate to do this to you, Carlton fans. I am going to give you some love in just a moment. 21 more inside 50s, 14 more clearances, 54 more contested possessions. That defies logic. It may, it, has no, it makes no sense that a team can be so dominant in those areas and still lose. I can't fathom that either while we're trying to explain the unexplainable. How Collingwood do what they did, but I can't explain how Carlton did what they did. It's the second week in a row they led late and they lost. And they are resigned to ninth. And they'll wonder what might have been. And so they should. And so should their fans. But after all that, I still believe, I still believe that this year was a successful one for Carlton. I still think it is a tick. I still think they're tracking and trending in the right direction. I still would be wrapped if I was a Carlton fan for the year they've had and for the promise that they show and for the promise of what might be ahead. So just on Collingwood for a moment, Nathan Buckley was, was asked about them uh, today in his uh, on SEN Breakfast.
3: So they're not winning in a traditional way. You have to go back nine weeks to go to a game that they won contested ball, plus 13 against GWS. So going back there is minus 54 against Carlton, minus 29 against Sydney, minus 24 against Melbourne, minus 15, minus 13, minus 10, minus 10, minus 19, back to that game. You, they've only won the clearance stat twice in that nine weeks, and that minus twelve, minus seven, minus twenty, minus eight, minus fifteen. So you cannot you cannot gauge Collingwood's chances of winning on contests and clearance because their pressure is so good around the ball. the The most important KPI for Collingwood is winning the next contest out of out of a stoppage. So when the ball goes forward thirty meters or back 30 metres, if you're a side, you need to win that next contest because Collingwood keep winning those, both in defence and offence. So you need to challenge them.
1: That was Nathan Buckley this morning, SEN.com.au to hear the full chat. And David King spoke about that Craig McRae, in just a short time at the Collingwood Football Club, what he's done in terms of training and coaching the mental side of the game for Collingwood I don't think Craig McRae is coaching specifics of the game. He's not coaching
2: perfection. What he's doing is coaching the minds of these players. What is required right now? So they think about the game, not, okay, now, if we're in this situation, I've got to kick to there and I've got to kick on the 45 degree and do this and do that. That It's not specifics. It's, hey, ball's in your hands. We've got 90 seconds to go. We need a goal. What, what are you going to do here? And the player actually is being educated. They're being fast-tracked. 30 games under Craig McRae, I think, is worth more than 30 games under some of the other coaches in the AFL right now because of the actual coaching of the mind. What's required? Not kicking long down the line versus switching versus kicking on the 45. It's brilliant to
1: watch. So for Carlton, you started the year 8-2 and, and you finished at 4-8. and eight and that will leave a sour taste in your mouth. And um, a new coach, a new way of doing things, a new philosophy, a new culture, it doesn't just happen. I know it's happened like that for Collingwood and you might look at them and think, well, why did it happen for them and not for us? But don't worry about looking in the backyard of someone else. I know it's your fiercest rival. But just if you just look at yourselves and just keep the focus on what you've been able to do and the way you've been able to improve... On this year, especially the way that you defend, which were major issues for you last year, I think that it is a positive season. Luke Sayers said this on the day that Michael Voss was rolled out and presented with Brian Cook um, to the world as the new coach and the new CEO. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And as uh, as has been said this morning, you know, our expectation is is that we want to we want to
2: aspire to play finals football next year and uh, for our playing group I reckon that's a better expectation and aspiration than uh, we want to finish 15th, 16th, 17th or 18th and so you know we're obviously not going to put a ceiling on it but you know we we really aspire and believe that we have the potential within the playing group to to play finals next year.
1: So that was Luke Sayers uh, when he was asked at the press conference if finals was a pass mark. I'd love someone to ask him now does he see that this season's been a failure? Because I would think that the answer would be no, and I think that he would have regretted saying that at the time, throwing Michael Voss and Brian Cook under the bus at their very first press conference. Because that would then say that Michael Voss has failed in his first season, and I think he has done anything but fail in his first season. And I don't think Brian Cook thinks he's failed either.
4: I, I think Bossy's game um, will, will, will be taken up uh, and, and evolve even more in the next year or two. And we will become even an even more intense side, a more combative style. And so maybe, you know, the, the, we have to think about the types of players we recruit into our team, inside versus outside, etc., etc. et cetera. But that'll be up to the recruiting people as well.
1: So don't see it as a failure, I would say, Carlton fans. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. And I would hazard a guess that if your President Luke Sayers was asked, Have you passed this year? I think that he would walk back that naive statement at the time and have a better fix on the fact that there are so many positives to take out of the year. one 736 736 is the number. If you want to talk about the pies, you want to talk about the blues, you want to put anything on the agenda, it's your say on the news of the day. This is the Macca's Run. Try the quarter pound of bacon at Macca's today.
0: Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today
1: one The Harcourts open line. Your move, your Harcourts. Uh, after 6.30, to try and get more of a sense of how Collingwood are doing what they're doing, we'll speak to a man that's not long out of the four walls. He retired at the end of 2020 after four years at the club. Lyndon Dunn uh, is going to be our special guest on the Macker's Run. So looking forward to catching up with him. Uh, Dave in Richmond, if I can... Oh, here we go. We're just having a few little just a few little issues which is very enjoyable when we try and take calls and we can't do so and the uh the system that we use to do it has decided that it wants to restart itself so um uh <laughs> oh sometimes you just have to laugh so those who are on the phone who are listening to me just just hold fire um just stay with me just stay with me, uh, and we'll get to you as quick as we can. Now, speaking of Carlton, David King today—if they had hands and eyes
2: yesterday, Carlton for two minutes of footy—they're playing finals. So it sounds stupid, but this will be the this will be the sharpest and steepest learning curve these these guys will go through. That at the end of the day, you're not playing finals because of the last thirty seconds or forty seconds or two minutes of the last two weeks. So we, we've been through this. And, we, in North Melbourne years ago. We, we, we lost the grand final to Gary Ablett Senior after he took a, he took a mark after on the siren, kicked the goal after the siren '94, and the whole theme for preseason was Dennis put it on these manuals and everything. Every little thing counts. Every little thing, action action you do, everything you don't do, everything every session you you extra session you miss, every weight session you cut short, all come back to haunt when the game is live. So I think that'll be that'll be the theme of Carlton's off season. That every little thing counts. Dot every i, cross every t. Leaders lead.
1: That was David King today. Brian Cook was on SEN as well. The Carlton CEO, and he put yesterday's loss down to a very well. It's not a simple thing because it wasn't at the time.
4: When it comes down to it, we 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 threw away a couple of games. Um... Uh, We didn't play well in the key moments, the most accountable moments, and we have to live with that. We need to live with that for a while. So I don't think we'll forget about this moment, um, and hopefully uh, it will be uh, a motivator for us uh, in the years to come.
1: Even Nathan Buckley uh, tried to present a half-glass-full argument for Carlton today.
3: Carlton, what could have been? um, It's a, a tough pill to swallow, but when the dust settles, it will be a really positive... Year for the the Carlton Football Club. That was a final. That was an elimination for, final for Carlton. Now they lost that. They they have been eliminated. So it was an elimination final. Vossy uses that. He finds out who stood up when we needed you, mm. and who's who who wilted, and you get you get to make decisions on players, and and you don't be surprised at who gets favoured, and who gets looked past when you go forward from here, because if you don't stand up in big games. You quickly become superfluous to go taking that next step. So it's great. it's valuable information that um, that Michael Voss and the Carlton Football Club have going forward.
1: That was Nathan Buckley. So Carlton fans, I still think that you should be. I still think you should... I'm not going to tell you how to feel, but I would still view your season as a positive one. There are pieces in place. There is a game plan that's being developed. There's a style of play. There's a persona. There's an edge. That is starting to develop under Michael Voss that, that I think for what you've experienced this year You'll be better served for next year And as I said before If you were Luke Sayers And you were to ask him that same question He was asked at that press conference last year his finals Is a finals the pass mark I think he would change that answer Lyndon Dunn is up next
0: Welcome to the Macca's Run With Sam Hargraves With special sauce and juicy beef Grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today
3: Geelong's just, uh, their their capacity to maintain momentum through a year, to put themselves in great shape. They've managed and rested players over the last three or four weeks, and we've seen them do that really well in previous years. They've been in this position plenty of times. A, p- a percentage of 144, 18 wins, four losses. They couldn't, like young players that are coming through. Jeremy Cameron's a question mark, but they are as cherry ripe as they've ever been. And now it is it is their time to go and make the most of it in the next four weeks. And um, this is it, though. You this can't you can't ask for any more. If you're a Geelong supporter, yeah. this is it, though. Your coach, your football club, your players you're in great shape. And then you go play Collingwood. This at, is at it. The MCG. This we've waited twelve months for this. So all Geelong supporters will tell you is we've been here before, Bucks. We've T- been two two thousand nineteen. Geelong finished first. Collingwood finished fourth and uh, we were able to get the job done on that night.
1: Nathan Buckley, uh, speaking about Geelong and how they're placed heading into finals in two weeks' time. Two games clear, they finished on top of the ladder and minor premiers in season 2022. It has the feel of Last Chance Saloon, doesn't it? It has a bit of a vibe about it's the you know the, the, the final scene, butch and son, this is the final shootout. This is where it all lives and dies this year. Is this the year for you Cats fans? Uh, you'll get your first test uh, when you take on the pies. Uh, on Saturday, Arvo, interesting time, 4.35 p.m., on a Saturday afternoon uh, in two weeks' time, after Brisbane and Richmond will start us off on the Thursday night, Melbourne and Sydney on Friday night at the MCG, uh, and then Geelong and Collingwood at the MCG. There's country footy leagues all around the place that are not wrapped about that time start, I've got to tell you, and uh, suburban footy leagues, given if they had just made it a night game, then people could have gone out to their suburban footy and country footy. But how big an impact it's going to have, you tell me, one or 433 off the 10th. Protects temper, mattress like no other, uh, and then on Sunday, Frio and the Western Bulldogs uh, eight ten local time starting. In fact, sorry, that's Saturday night. Uh, Fremantle Western Bulldogs uh, at Optus Stadium uh, on a doubleheader on Saturday. Um, we always talk about back page being the good news stories and front page being the bad news stories, and there's no worse news. There's no bader news. Uh, In football at the moment than the Bombers They're making the club in David Williamson's play, the club, look like A well-oiled machine And a highly functioning football club Disarray wouldn't even start To cover it, a club that's at war uh, With itself, they finally put Ben Rutten um, out of his misery, a treatment As poor um, As we've seen a coach be treated um, In recent memory, even more so Than than David Teague last year Um, David King gave his View on that today
2: the way it happened was poor. They, they should have terminated his contract last Monday. We all, we all agree on that. And if they had have, I think the rest would be pretty seamless. Okay, we can disagree with it. But the first the to, to get a contract in, fr- in front of Alistair Clarkson to try and nab him from the clutches of the kangaroos, I think's a viable play. Do, do you agree with that? Yes. So we all agree that that's the case. Where it leaves them now is a problem. Okay, Because there's no logical next option. There isn't. If they choose James Heard, that's their right. They're not worried about what people think. They're worried about the next premiership opportunity.
1: So that's David King. We'll talk more about that in the Sporting Capital when we do Heroes and Villains, and no prizes for guessing what category uh, Essendon are going to be in when it comes to Heroes and Villains. But Ken Hinckley's a name that's also being linked to the Bombers. David Kosh was asked about that today.
4: They will certainly sound out your man, Ken Hinckley, as oh. well, who has a year to run on his contract at Port Adelaide. Can Tom, I ask you a question?
1: Uh, tell them
2: they're dreaming. Um, <laughs> and and why would Ken go, go to a club like that? Well, they In might offer him, him a four level. or five years contract. They'll, they'll sort themselves out.
1: Yeah, no, nah, tell them they're dreaming. As big a club as SNR and as attractive as whether it be the list and the time slots and all that kind of stuff is, the, the club itself might be an attractive proposition but not the current administration the current board and the current way that the club is being run and how Ben Rutten was treated uh, none of that would be appealing for a coach coming in so this is going to be fascinating to see what they're able to do and who they're able to find uh, to coach them of course someone will want to because there's only 18 coaching jobs in the competition uh, and that's the only one uh, that we know about at the moment currently available given that Adam Kingsley was announced today as the new coach uh, of the Greater Western Sydney Giants we'll talk more about that uh, coming up in the the sporting capital, but let's get to our feature guest.
4: Pendle remarks and plays on. Ginnivan's his man, Saad against him. Elliot's the third there. The ball is his. The moment arrives. Elliot kicks He's the goal. Collie will have closed like the Grim Reaper. They hit the front with a minute and 42 seconds to go they hold Carlton's heart in their hand right now. Smothered from the side by Lipinski. Heroic deeds. McCreary lost the footy. Carlton lost the game.
1: It's unimaginably cruel. Just extraordinary scenes. Another brilliant call from Jared Whateley yesterday with Andy Marr uh, as well. And there is just no rhyme nor reason, I don't think, to what we're seeing with with Collingwood this year. We we gave you the numbers a, a little earlier in the show, that it's the eighth time since Round 13 that they've come back from three goals or more down. It's their 11th win by 12 points or under they just continue to find a way and they are the best show in town. I've got no doubt about that at the moment because it is just a rollicking roller coaster of a ride to, to concede eight goals to one in the third term and then to be able to kick five unanswered in the last to, to get a win, to get them top four. Uh, I thought, well, let's uh, speak to a man uh, who I'm sure would have been loving every moment uh, of that last quarter. He uh, played 198 games, uh, most of those with the Ds, but finished out his career at the Pies, where he was a much-loved member of that squad. He retired in 2020, Lyndon Dunn, but he holds a candle for both the Ds and the Pies, and I thought, let's have a chat to him just about what a year it's been, what a game that was, and uh, all things Collingwood, and a little bit of Melbourne as well. Lyndon, hello, mate. G'day Sam, thanks for
4: having me mate, always a pleasure
1: Where were you when Collingwood did what nobody thought they were going to be able to do again But somehow found a way to do again uh, Coming back from four goals down uh, early in the last to cement a top four spot How did you take it in?
4: Uh, I was actually in the car driving home from, uh played footy myself yesterday So um, we were out of Craigieburn, so it was a fair drive back to my place in the city and uh, it was a pleasure to listen to I wish I had been there um, you know growing up in Essendon a Hawthorne supporter um, in my DNA is not feeling sorry for the Blues and not feeling sorry for the Dom so um, there's a bit going on on that front this week and uh, yeah the Pies have just been on a, on a real roll uh,
1: there's I really like that Ger- Jerry Whateley talks a lot about the mysticism In There's a place for mysticism in sport I've been saying earlier today That some things you just shouldn't even bother trying to explain When there isn't really a, a statistical reason for it Or a rhyme for it Sometimes there is just a phenomenon that occurs in sport And you're better off just enjoying the ride of it Than trying to get to the bottom of it And I reckon that's what Collingwood are What have you made of, of, of them this whole year?
4: Well, I think the, the biggest thing is winning form is good form. And uh, when you do win games and you win close games, it's contagious. And you just, you can look at your mate walking up the race, whether it's before a game or, you know, at half time And when the game's on the line, you just know that your mate's going to step up and you're going to do the same for him. And time after time, the pies have been written off this year and they just keep getting it done. Um, and they're playing great footy. They're playing a um, an attacking brand of footy, which I think has probably been... on. The knock on the pies in, in the past, and um, you know certainly with my time at Collingwood and with Bucks and everything was uh, with a high defensive focus and the sort of natural flair. But it certainly looks like the Flyers got them uh, humming with the ball through the corridor, both with sharp hands and and their foot skills, and and it's paying off.
1: They seem to be a side that revels in the remarkable and 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 revels in being written off, and 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 the the idea that. And because we all love a comeback story. I mean, we even love it. I mean, I said earlier that they've had more comebacks than John Farnham. And we even love it when Farnsey comes back time and time again. That, that, that is the, the joy and that, that is the fun. Not if you're a Carlton fan, obviously, and for any other teams that they've beaten coming from behind. But that is, that is the, the for a spectator point of view, from an entertainment point of view, that is sport at its most fun and its most engaging. Where the, the whole idea of surely they can't do it again. Surely they can't come back from here. But they seem to find a way, and people talk about the fact, Linden, that it's trained—that they train for this. Do you—is that what you buy into? That this is what they train for, or is there something more spiritual than all of that about what's going on um, at the pies at the moment?
4: Oh, there's no doubt that they train it, but so do 17 other AFL clubs. You always prepare yourself for certain scenarios and um, situational plays, and you know, for even in my time in the AFL system. You know, from when I was 17 to when I retired in 2020, it's something you do every week and speak about, and um, it becomes second nature. But there's no doubt that there is something special there uh, with an ability to win, I don't even know, it must have been eight games. I think they won by under seven points. Um, you know, a lot of teams in the past, when they just miss out on finals, it's games that they've sort of lost by under a goal, and mm. sometimes that number is, you know, four, five, or six. Um, but like I said before, that there's a, there's a look... And the feeling and a connection with your teammates when, when you've just got supreme confidence in what you're able to do. And it's not blowing teams out of the water, um, but it's when it's close and, you know, the game's on the line, knowing what you each other are gonna do and how you're gonna help each other and just knowing that you can get it done. It's almost like timing your run to perfection, isn't it really, which is what the piles have been doing from from siren to sirens.
1: There's a saying and a belief in footy, Lyndon, that you, the team is often moulded in the image of the coach themselves. And, and you know, like so Hawthorne under Clarkson were aggressive and they were, they were anger, They were really well connected and they cared for each other. But there was a, an anger there. They're antagonistic and, uh, you know, the ugly Hawks, as they were called. It looks like Craig McRae is, to me, someone who just loves footy like not he, he calls himself a footy nuffy so there's a line in jerry mcguire check out what pure joy looks like that's him when you watch him on the the sideline it seems that that has permeated through the whole team everybody seems to just be loving what they're doing kane corn sort of criticized the over celebrating i love the over celebrating especially when it, you do it with your fans because you invite them in and you bring them along with you you were a big culture guy. From what you're hearing from your mates that are still at Collingwood, is that a big part of what's going on, that there is just a, a joy, that the the game, we love this game and we will enjoy it uh, as much as we possibly can?
4: i look it's a real fine line talking about the over-celebrating. Um, I think that that's, at the end of the day, that's why the players do what they do and why people love the game of AFL football is because... If you don't celebrate the little wins, then um, you'd, you'd be pretty miserable most of the time because, you know, in footy, there's probably a lot more downs than there are, right? so there's no doubt acknowledging those things um, certainly helps, and especially in today's style of play and the age we live in, that these little things, often when you connect them all, they become quite big, and that's when you start to breed confidence and um, trust and that connection that you're sort of talking about, Sam. It's, um, it's so important and Fly, you know, I've been down to the club maybe half a dozen times this year and haven't had much to do with Fly as uh, in the AFL system as a player, but he was very welcoming um, the first time I met him. He came and would have had five or ten minutes chat with me on the sidelines of training and um, you could just hear in his voice and the passion and um, the belief that he's got in the group and in the club and it's so great to see um, especially just as a past player and having known the current group um, quite well I know that the boys are loving him and the rest of the coaching staff that they've got there at the moment
1: it, it, What's possible for them? Is, the, well, is it there the isn't, sky's a the there limit? Is any box anything box. possible? Or do you feel like finals is a different beast and there's a reality check coming or is this wave continue can this wave continue to be ridden?
4: Oh, there's no doubt the wave can continue. Like you look at the two informed teams in the continent, it's Geelong and Collingwood. Um, it's pretty exciting. Um, you know, 2018 was the last time that um, you know the Pies gave the finals a real shake and almost went the whole the whole distance. Um, and that year, we probably didn't have a team that the uh, or a list that you know other sides had, mm. but we just had that confidence in each other and an ability to get it done. I think the great strength of the Pies at the moment is that you haven't got, you know, two or three players starring every week. You've got multiple role players and then when those blokes get shut down or a little bit quiet, someone else steps up to the plate and they go bananas. So that's what good teams do and it's bloody exciting to watch.
1: Where could it, where's your area of concern though? Where, Where do you think that it can come unstuck?
4: Well, I think the risk that you run, not that the Pies meaning to play in close games, but, you know, the closer it is, the more chance you have of losing. So every team's aiming uh, aiming to win every game by 10 goals, but, you know, when it's close, um, you know, that's... that the art is is winning those close games, and finals are another beast, as you mentioned. Um, Yeah, the footy... The intensity on the footy, the pressure um, goes right up, and there's no doubt that um, the doubters will... Out that of the pies and their young players, and you know, they must have from the players that played yesterday a, a, a large portion of them that either hadn't played finals or played the winning final. So it's up for those senior boys to drag them along. Pendle's game yesterday was outstanding. Yeah, phenomenal
1: in that he last twenty minutes. Yep.
4: Yeah, we don't even really need to talk about him. He just gets it done <laughs> time and time again, and that's why he's going to go down as one of the greats. But, yep. Um, you know, other leaders on the ground like Steele and Howie, um, Darcy Moore. And then at the other end, you've got Majek now, who's played 100 games and um, is you know, the spiritual leader of the forward line. And there's blokes that, that latch onto them as well. So it's very exciting.
1: Your, um, your other mob, um, you left in 2016. You'd still know a lot of the, the, the people there and, and the players there. Um, are they back? Have they got their mojo back? How much did you read into the win over the Lions? And um, what are your expectations on, on Melbourne coming in? How have you seen their year? Oh, well, I mean, up until, when was it? Maybe round 13, 14,
4: that they were unbeatable in everyone's eyes, and then they hit what was supposedly a flat spot, but uh, they still managed to finish second and secure a home final. And there's mm. no doubt their game on the weekend was, uh, oh, well, it was damning, wasn't it, against the Lions. They came to play. They beat the Lions on their home track up at the Gabba. Um, all eyes were on them, um, and they got it done. So there's no doubt that they they would be supremely confident um, especially on the back of last season and what they were able to do and you know the, the problem with the D's in the past has been you know they haven't won a premiership or played finals and had that experience for such a long time but now they're the reigning premiers and they've got to be just about the team to catch I think obviously the Cats are in really good form and have been there themselves albeit a few years ago but they've played in multiple final series and made multiple prelims so I think the D's will be very confident in the squad they've got um, and uh, will be liking their chances Uh, whether they get it done or not next week we'll wait and see, but the Swans have to come to the MCG and then they've guaranteed themselves another home final, win-lose next week
1: Last question, Lyndon Dunn So if Melbourne and Collingwood meet in a final which scarf are you wearing?
4: Well, I don't actually have a scarf that has both colours but uh, (laughs) I I do, I wear both of my scarves, but when, when the D's and the F's play, I go very neutral I walk in I walk into the Grand knowing I am mean, going to walk out a winner. But um, look, a Collingwood Melbourne Grand Final would be outstanding. It would be very hard to to watch one of one of the teams lose. I've got a lot of great friends at both clubs, but let's hope that they can just both if they both win their their finals next week and both win their prelims. It's, it's a pretty easy game, isn't it? <laughs>
1: yes. Uh, good luck with it mate. Hey, thanks for giving us some time. Uh, always love getting your perspective. Um, uh, you were a much loved figure at both footy clubs and. Uh, still, I remember the scenes when they announced that you were getting a comeback game and I've never seen a group of players go as troppo as uh, the boys did for you when you got to play your, your comeback game from a long stint out, mate. So thanks so much for being on the show. Enjoy September and good luck for West Coburg uh, for the rest of the finals as well.
4: No, Thanks very much, Sam. Always a pleasure.
1: Uh, He's a good man, he's Lyndon Dunn. And for the brief time that I had the text messages back up and running, there were several texts coming through thanking Lyndon for not only what uh, he did at the D's, others saying thank you so much for what you did at the Pies. Uh, he's a good man, and uh, it was great to get his perspective. one well, I was about to give out the number, but I just realised that was a bit pointless, given that we can't take your call at the minute. I'll let you know the moment that we can. A few other things making news uh, around the place as well, which I'll update you on in just a moment on the Macca's Run. Uh, of course, we do it all for McDonald's. Try the new quarter-bounder uh, with bacon at Macca's today.
0: Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today.
1: Uh, Just bear with us because we believe that the phone lines will be up and running in time for heroes and villains in the sporting capital, which we are going to be doing next. A couple other things making news from other sports. So the Storm are back in in the four, 48 point win over the Broncos. Wasn't a good night on Friday night for the Brisbane teams. The Broncos got smacked, and so too did the Lions. But the Storm will finish out their season Friday night uh, against the Roosters. Currently in fourth spot and looking to make uh, another charge to another premiership. Fingers crossed for the Storm. Um, There's a report on Fox Sports at the moment that Tom Rogic, who's with Celtic, just won the title under Ange Postacoglu, is being linked to Everton to become just the second Aussie playing in the top flight. Uh, Fulham youngster Tyrese Francois uh, is uh, the only other Aussie there at the moment. So that would be a big, uh, big story to come out of the EPL from an Australian point of view um, and just the other story Adam Scott if you weren't aware has played himself back into contention for the Tour Championship in incredible fashion he saved par on the 72nd hole of the BMW Championship which got him back into the top 30 which is how uh, and where you need to be to qualify for the final event of the FedEx Cup Tour so it's the top 30 that go through so that that saved par would have made him Around half a mil in that tournament, in the BMW Championship. And just for qualifying for the Tour Championship, he will walk away with about 700 grand. So that par save was worth over a million dollars to Adam Scott. So phenomenal performance from him. Only him and Cam Smith have qualified. Um, there is $109 million up for grabs to be shared. I think it's $28 million for the winner. So there is a very hefty payday coming for Adam Scott. But it's not all about the money. The performance itself was great to see him. He tied for fifth uh, in his probably in almost career best form and playing almost as well as he uh, as he was when uh, he won the Masters. So um, wrap to see Adam Scott uh, back doing uh, his very best. Hey, um Appreciate your patience with the phone lines down. We should have it up and running in time for the Sporting Capital, which we're doing next. But Matt Rendell is going to join us uh, at 7.30 to give us some heroes and villains. And I hope you'll do the same uh, as well. Stick around. Sporting Capital up next. This was for as The Quarter Pounder.